and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 514. That's right. What are we talking about tonight? Covers, covers, and more covers. <laughs> yeah, bear and, with us, folks. Yeah. This is going to be our first time doing this. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're we're not talking comforters, and we're not talking duvets. <laughs> That'll be a different episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, we're we're talking. Do do should we give another rundown of what Jim's ask was, or? Well, basically, Jim was just look. Even though his his parameters are different than we're, the way we're going to approach it, that he was just looking for ideas of de- decorating his office with with comic books. So he was so he the challenge was to come up with some of the better covers, I think. And he he, he listed it as as modern age, right? Like from Great Great Temple How, I think, going forward. But just to give some of the, our favorite covers, and then conceptually, it would be. If he didn't have those issues, maybe he could get some of those if they were if he agreed with the choices, I guess, to put up on it, put up on his wall. So we're going to approach this differently by just going with breaking this down in different eras at different times and picking a picking a top five list of each designated era for each of us. And then eventually, probably, yeah, eventually, probably people will will get to vote on them. But either way, people will get an idea of some of the covers and that. I mean, he did specifically mention in his email, uh, we know Chad's going to pick some super expensive Golden Age issues. And what are we starting with tonight? Golden Age. <laughs> Chad, you ignorant slut. All right. Um, uh, which one do we want to... Uh, so we're starting with Golden Age tonight. Who who wants to go first? Uh, I'll throw one out first. Okay. I'll I'll start with Green Lantern number thirty-two, which is the case of the astonishing juggler. <laughs> the astonishing juggler. The astonishing juggler. This cover is just kind of like it's so, it's it's kind of corny and so, I don't know. It's it's over the top, but it gets it's so appropriate for comic books in general, especially back in the day. And it's it's just I don't know. It, it's intriguing enough that if I didn't. If I saw this cover, if this was a new comic book, I might actually flip through it just because it seems so absurd that, you know, with Alan being tied up and being tossed in the air along with uh, bowling pins and Doiby and who, which which chick is on the right? Um, uh, do we I'm, supposed to automatically know or is it just? It might be Molly Maine. No, Molly's blonde, isn't she? I don't remember. It's Would this right. be I late would... enough in the series? Uh, it's possible. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure. I could also theoretically be somebody who's relevant to the individual story. Probably not, but you never know. 
but it's 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 pretty it's pretty obscure anyway with with this uh guy in this kind of like yellow leotard with star trunks like top basically ju- juggling the, those three characters in bowling pins kind of like in the air on top of a building so with the longest arms you've ever seen because they're essentially half the length of each of those people's bodies yeah especially <laughs> his right his right arm is especially long <laughs> Yeah, that one's that one's particularly uh, that one's particularly interesting. There's a lot of negative space in that, which is yes. what I don't like. and tend to stay away from, um, but it is a very action-heavy scene. Uh, there was one that I, that sort of reminds me of this that I almost picked. I think from All Star Comics, um, and it was uh, the um, the JSA on a windmill, uh, and each of them were on a blade of the windmill as it was spinning around, which is directly aped later on in the justice league because there's a sixties justice league issue where they're all like on a spinning wheel or something with a villain. And it very much reminds me of that old issue of uh, all-star comics. This reminds me of the same thing. Like I would expect this sort of concept and perspective or whatever to be somehow aped in a justice league comic later on, on down the line. It reminds me of a very sixties campy type thing. The the cover, by the way, is by Erwin Hasten. A lot of these covers are going to be by Erwin Hasten because he's probably the biggest artistic name, I would say, for the golden age for uh, Alan Scott outside of Martin O'Dell himself. Um, and Erwin, Erwin was a pretty cool guy. I've seen some old school DC Comics interviews with him. Uh, obviously, he's since passed, but uh, he's... Uh, He's one. I think. I think he's one of the unsung heroes. He's one of those comic book artists that you, if if you say the name, some people will recognize it, although they may not immediately be able to call some of his work to their mind. But he was he was a fixture in early Golden Age stuff in terms of the amount of projects they put him on. If they needed something, they were like, "Hey, can somebody knock this out?" Um, but yeah, I think I think there could have been a lot more done here. Uh, obviously we're judging this by today's standards. It's not like they were searching for a really cool perspective, art, whatever back in the day when they're just trying to get comics out when it was, let's face it in its heyday and things were selling out by the millions. Um, so really anything would work as long as they can get the, 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 the title out in time, but maybe putting waves or a bridge out in the, in the water or an oil rig or, more boats or freaking something because <laughs> it just looks like sky. It looks like the world just ends. <laughs> um, or you could change the perspective so that there's more city behind him than there currently is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a very, it's a very, very golden age cover for sure. I think that does sum it up. Yep. All of these guys, all of these uh, will be on our website. Uh, actually, if you go to, our posts over on Twitter or on Facebook, I have put together some album arts, like kind of like album art that shows brief samplings of these. Um, Mark and I will discuss later on where, where we want to put, like if we want to put any, any links to anything like, uh, uh, like imager or something like that. Um, but uh, if you want to see just like a brief snippet, uh, we'll, those images will be on our website at the very least. And you can see four different images with uh, five covers a piece on them. For the for tonight, uh, for me, I am picking my number five is uh, is All Star Comics number forty three. 
I had to get an all-star comics issue in there because uh, it's a big part of the history of the character. This one also by Erwin Hasen. It does sort of immediately go against my rule of, uh, you know, negative space. Uh, There's not a lot of negative space like the issue Mark picked out, but there is more glaring negative space. In other words, Aside from the characters on the page, there's really nothing behind them of except maybe a tree. Um, and it's kind of uh, it's 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 very empty. But we have we've got Hawkman, Black Canary, Jay Garrick. We have our man. We have we have Dr. Midnight. We have Alan Scott. We have Wonder Woman. There's a big ass robot on there. And there's like four henchmen uh, on the cover. So it's really action heavy. Wonder Woman's using her lasso. Uh, our man, I think, or that's the Adam maybe, uh, is throwing a punch. Uh, Jay's running across the screen. Both Alan and, and Hawkman are flying. So, and Alan's using his ring to confuse or disorient someone. Dr. Midnight's punching through the glass on the front of the robot. Like it, there's a, you know, there's a whole lot of action happening on here. Um, and you know, it just, it really lends to the team aspect. What's really cool is it's actually later on in the, uh, all-star comics run which is like i said it's issue number 43 but there was a while there where alan wasn't appearing on any of the covers um for a good several issues straight so the fact that this is later the fact that it shows the whole team there's a lot of action and so on and so forth i, I had to pick this one I can, I can see why it's and, and you're right there the, you do have a pseudo there's a similarity with the with the empty background but it, but like you said it's not nearly as noticeable as it doesn't grab your attention as much as the astonishing juggler did. Yeah, for sure. And we've got. Uh, I, I like to when the um, the text the text on the covers um, are sort of well positioned, well uh, adjusted, as opposed to just throwing stuff on the cover. This little red band here that shows in this issue and the you know secret of the golden universe and so on and so forth. Um, I just I think that's I think that's really well done. Um, as opposed to just splashing that somewhere where, I mean, frankly, anywhere else wouldn't make sense, uh, which means they had to design it around this image or design the image around this little banner. No, I can. I think I think that's that makes perfect sense. That's that's that kind of suits your sensibility. So I understand that. All right. What is your number four? I guess I will pick All Star Comics number three. The big winter issue. <laughs> which basically, which is pretty unspectacular, other than the fact that it's 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 almost iconic because we've seen lots of we've seen lots of covers like this going forward. It's not it so today it would be completely unoriginal because we've all seen we've all seen superhero groups sitting around a table and some kind of action taking place or whether they're they're changing the team or like the issue with the JSA and the Justice League seancing and or, or crossing you know into the multiverse to talk to see the other things like that. This, so this is basically just a justice society sitting around a table. And that's what that's in the table literally says justice society of America on it. And it just features a bunch of stories, pretty much the flash green lanterns, the specter, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, our man, Sandman, the Adam and Johnny thunder. So yeah, this is, I mean, this is, you know, what the most iconic cover from this, this series, uh, if not one of the top five, most iconic covers of the golden age. Um, probably what detective 27 action. Number one, all star 16 or, or all, all American comics, 16 
Flash Comics number one, or was it all Flash? I think it was all Flash, and then this one. I mean, they, 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 they you have to throw this one in there. Um, it's uh, it's it's a big deal. The only thing I don't like about this this particular cover is the bottom. I I get I get it. I understand like it's a big deal. Hey, for the first time, your heroes that you've been reading about in these individual issues and kind of maybe seeing them cross over with each other here and there. Look, they're all part of the same universe. And not only that, they're on the same team. So, bam, Flash, Green Lantern, Spectre, Hawkman. Like they just throw all these names uh, at the screen at you or sorry, at the on the cover at you. So, like, you know, you're listing off all these people. So maybe maybe you only recognize by costume one or two if you're a kid reading back then but you maybe know some of the others by name and you're like, Oh my God, they're all here. They're all part of it. It's definitely a sales tactic, but this image, you know, it's got the green border around it. It's the red background, the yellow on top of the already yellow background of the comic cover itself. It's not that appealing to the eye. No, I, I, I'm trying to think of a, bit, of a better way of describing it, but I think that kind of does hit the nail on the head. The it is iconic for what it represents, I and mean, when people think of the Justice Society in in that time frame, they do. I think you're right that this is probably the cover that is thought of the most, or certainly if not, in, you know, in the top one or two, or mm-hmm. one or three, one to three. But and and technically speaking, again, the background is kind of bland. I mean, other than the fact that it's yellow, so it's pretty bright and bland. But it's not. But I think, but because because it, the title of the book takes up so much of that space, it's, it's it's at least it's not again our sliding scale of wasted empty space. It's not really uh, this one still wins in that category compared to the other two issues we've done so far. No, hundred percent. He's. So the uh, the art behind this, the artist behind this is is known as E.E. E. Hibbard, which is Everett E. Hibbard. He's got a pretty extensive, uh, as, as you would imagine, most Golden Age working artists. He died in 1998. Um, but as you can imagine, he's got a lot of credits under his belt, including obviously All-Star Comics, but also um, Flash, uh, Flash Comics uh, for quite, quite a few issues, as well as... Um, you know, another another series I completely forgot to look up when we were thinking Golden Age Comic Cavalcade, the uh, the Comic Cavalcade. Uh, he has some credits there. So anyways. All right. My number four is going to be something we both had on our list uh, initially. <laughs> and that is Green Lantern number seven, folks. Green Lantern number seven. Um, this is art by the man himself, Mr. Martin O'Dell. Um, and we have uh, Doiby Dickles being uh, taken, kid, being kidnapped by a another robot. This one more humanoid-ish um, um, with m- murderous eyes. Uh, Doiby's sticking his tongue out, looking ridiculous as he is wont to during this. Do- this. Doiby looks like he's being violated. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, and we have uh, we have Alan Scott. You know, just flying up and shooting uh, the robot in the face with some uh, with some energy. I really like this one. Um, the inks are pretty heavy, but it actually kind of works here for the for, because this one this one also you know a lot of Golden Age and Silver Age uh, issues have this issue. I talk about the negative space. I like that they're doing 
I'm assuming that's either the moon or the sun behind us here. I like that that sort of breaks it up. I like that we have the sort of skyline in the background, but also a bridge or something that's higher than the skyline. I don't know. Um, but look at the detail that goes into the robot himself. Look at every little rivet on him, the shading on him, the smoke coming out of his mouth, as well as the shape of his eyes and his eyebrows. They get, He gives the robot eyebrows to help convey his like really seriousness here. And for as as ridiculous as Doiby looks, just I mean, the stripes on his shirt, the wrinkles on his clothes, the hair on his head. Uh, it, there's a lot of detail, and just look, even look at the 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 bricks that the robot is stepping on, and we see Martin Odell's signature down there uh, as well. But there's a lot of you know, for the lack of background, Martin Odell really makes up for it with a level of detail here. Um, and you got to admit. It's heavy on the red, but it is very colorful. And you know they do this the 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 cool use of the uh, the narrative box uh, and good positioning of it as you know kind of keeping all of that contained because at least back then, like I said, they like to just slap stuff on the cover. Um, you know, as old as it looks, you know, look how big the ten cent logo is versus the DC logo over on the left. The Really simple font up at the top. Looks like someone just stamped the top of the book. Spring issue number seven. Um, when they do that willy-nilly, it kind of looks crazy. But at least they everything else here looks like it's very it, it's done very intently, and I like it. Clearly, this is a visually this is a striking cover, which is why it's the only cover that you and I both had <laughs> in our <laughs> list. I actually must admit, besides the the pure kind of like ridiculousness, and I don't mean in a shake your head kind of way, just kind of like a, in a pure comic book sense of what's going on in this cover, not counting what could be happening to Doiby and his therapy bills later, that uh, I, I did like the title, The Wizard of Odds. I did That's like true. that. And plus, you get four pages of Mutt and Jeff, so how could you go wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's really well done. And um, I didn't have a lot of Martin's uh, work on on my list, mostly because and and Mark Mark you know we guys we did our we did our own rules for this. I self imposed some rules where I was like I'm not going to pick like some of the most iconic stuff like you know uh, first appearances and stuff like that. Although I do have one first appearance on my list, and because of that, I didn't have a whole lot of Martin's work on there. And I was like, okay, of Martin drawn issue covers which ones aside from first appearances are my favorite and this one just really leaped out to me as as being well above the rest because some of them some of martin's covers have alan being not as front and center um or have other issues on it um or are very much of the times and by that i mean like you know, helping out soldiers or, you know, fighting weird looking gangsters or something like that. This one, it was just so dynamic and seemed so different from the rest. I had to include it on the list. No, it definitely was a good choice. At least we know it would have been on, it would have been on the list one way or the other. We know that's the only one we can <laughs> say that about regarding the golden age selections. So uh, I guess I will pick as number three, all-American Comics, number 27, which, God help us, is the first appearance of Joy B. Dickles. Or the, or the, introdu- the introduction of Joy B. Dickles as the, the right-hand man to the Green Lantern. 
God help us. It, is, is the cover that spectacular by itself? Not really, especially when Doiby's kind of like dressed in Alan's, in Alan's costume. <laughs> but it does have, as you were mentioning, a lot of these covers not having Alan front and center. Well, you can't deny this because this cover has Alan front and center. <laughs> and, it's true. And just because, you know, for people who didn't read the Golden Age comics, that even though you may have heard of Doiby Dickles, the reality is we know this is essentially like the introduction of Tom Kalmaku, but but for <laughs> but for Alan Scott. So it is an important character just in based on that character and his and his mythology. So that's the reason I picked this one. Yeah. Again, suffers from a whole lot of negative space. Yep. Um there's something to be said for the Alan being front and center there, but he's literally a floating head with his cape and that's it. It's like a logo. Um, it's, it's almost like it's a logo for like yeah. If this was, yeah. If, if it wasn't the fact that they had a different picture up on the left hand upper left, you would say that it's almost like they just they just blew up the logo that they usually in the, the corner for the book every month. Honestly, it would almost be better if they swapped the two circles. Um, and yeah. you know, obviously, given more detail to the top left one and stuff like that, like they did in this middle one. Um, but yeah, uh, plus the weird look of this uh, gangster he's throwing the wrench at. Uh, the literal bump on his head, the stars above. <laughs> it's it's very quintessential Golden Age. But I do like that uh, for now we still have the banner across the top. I, I'm just going to be 100% honest. I, not everybody has to agree with me. I actually really like the uh, font of all American comics. I, I like the lettering of of this of this comic that they that they went for for this series uh, and the way in which they chose to design it in, in not just, not just the actual font of the, uh, of all American comics, but the banner that's behind it, the placement of Alan Scott's character logo and where they put the little banner that says the green lantern. Um, I, I like the way that lays out and kind of gives some consistency to the entire series, uh, for at least a little while. And gives us some very clear bounds in which to place the art for the rest of the comics. You don't get that a whole lot with the main Green Lantern series because of, um, well, although the title treatment is consistent, it's the the weird border around it. The fact that it all flows around the lantern with the fire spewing out either side sometimes works. Like in the case of uh, Green Lantern 7 with the robot and sometimes doesn't if they're doing something more artistic or whatever. Sometimes the 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 flames and the lantern look weird on top of the art that it's showcased with. But at least with all American comics, it seems like it is more consistent um, with the rest of that. That's a good point. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm just we're talking about visual mediums on a podcast. <laughs> so I'm just I'm reaching for any thought in my head about any of these images and going from there. <laughs> and speaking of all American comics, I'm going to direct us to. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to mention um, the artist for your issue uh, for all American number 27 name. We haven't heard yet. Howard Purcell. Howard Purcell is the artist on that. Uh, I am going to go with actually um, a, a cover I'm sure I've seen a billion times, but uh, never really fully appreciated until now. All American Comics number 51. This one, I th- look, the other two that I have on my list, number one and number two, are there for more than just artistic reasons. But this one 
This one is on my list purely for the art. The art is extremely well done on this one. There's lots of detail. And when there's not, uh, it makes sense. So this one, no brainer. It's Erwin Hasen who did the art. Um, although it's worth crediting because it's here on this website, a resource I'm using. John L. Blummer is the artist for this Hop Harrigan insert uh, here for this. So different artists for this little banner kind of flying across the screen here or off across the cover here. But I, I really like it. We're, we're already starting off strong. Like I said, with the all American comics logo, Alan is a little more zoomed in here. So we see more of his face. Um, the coloring is great. There it says murder under the stars. And it looks like this, you know, magician or shaman of some kind is summoning green lantern through a cauldron or whatever. Uh, it, it, or maybe even having a vision of him and Doiby because Doiby is kind of floating in the air there and they have less detail on their individual characters than the uh, shaman or whatever does. Um, and despite there being negative space, because we have like a, uh, a shaman magician or whatever, we can throw some stuff in the background that while seemingly out of place anywhere else would make sense with what's going on here. So we have some random stars and planets and shooting stars and stuff like that here in the background of varying, uh, mostly the same color, but like they add a random purple star or a ring around a planet or something like that, which is really cool. Uh, and then, you know, it would normally piss me off to have such a large portion of the comic page devoted to, you know, promoting the insert uh, or the, the other story in here. This is also featuring hot Paragon. However, Hop Harrigan is really well drawn. Uh, the banner on the front of it also, it doesn't just go straight across the page. It swoops. And because Hop Harrigan's a pilot, you know, slash America's ace of the airways, uh, the, a plane is sort of swooping across the page and the banner follows the swoop of the plane. Um, and the colors on this are really, really well done. Um, because we have the all American comics, um, text in yellow with a red background and all the green of Alan on there. And then you set it all on a black background with this blue, dark blue characters costume with his green skin. And then you have Alan's juxtaposition of his various covers on top of that. And Doiby, who normally looks dull or whatever, his little yellow slash orange kind of jumps into this a little bit more as well. And then the yellow of the hop harrigan uh kind of balances out the yellow at the top of the page for all american comics uh, with the bottom so it's it, it really when you think about art i think one of the things they talk about is where is your eye naturally drawn and this really is pleasing to look at in the way in which your eye kind of flows across the page if i if i didn't have my eyes on other all american comics issues to have in my collection to buy first before i get anything else cuz let's face it all golden age issues are going to cost a shit ton of money um this would be number 1 on my list purely for the art alone this is a fantastic cover i agree i think looking at just looking at your list i would say this is the one from a, just from a pure art perspective is the best looking cover regardless of whatever the story is about, knowing nothing about anything else, just looking at, even if there were no words on the, any of these covers, if you just looked at, looked at the covers, 
Well, one of your other ones you haven't done yet is, is pretty good too. But this is, but I between the colors, between the action, between like you said, the, the call, the cauldron effect, and yes, the hot power and stuff going across kind of has kind of like the zooming effect. So I think, yeah, I think I this probably would have been one I would have zeroed in on if I didn't already know that you had grabbed it. For sure. All right, what's next? I will say, let's go with, now we're kind of getting into the home stretch for the classic. So I will say, let's do Green Lantern number one. Let's do the original Green Lantern number one with Alan Scott duking at, out in front of the, his power battery with with a sword, a sword wielding opponents that at the end <laughs> of the day, that this is, this is one of the most iconic covers, certainly of Alan Scott period. So this had, that had to be on the list. So. And that's why it is a swashbuckler, one might say. Yes, except except his belt. I was going to say something along those lines, but his belt looks more like a gunfighter's belt. Almost. It almost looks like it's kind of like a holster. Like yeah, if he was a swashbuckler, it would be like a cloth, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. He looks he dressed almost more like a looks almost like a cowboy because it does kind of even on the right hand side. It almost looks like I think it is a holster, actually, without zooming in. I think it might actually be a holster. But uh this because is also it, Howard Purcell, by the way. Yep. Black background works with the green with the green power battery, and yep. This one. Yeah, this. I mean, you're you're taking in a, a a character from his from his um home series where he was birthed in All American Comics, and you're giving him his first solo series. So it's got to leap out to the people on the stands because normally they're looking for All American, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't believe the kids of back then are paying much attention to the inset ads that may have been advertising that this would be coming, uh, but maybe they are. So you have to really catch their attention. And boy, I mean, this is this is the first time people have to see this Green Lantern logo on a cover, right? Um, so there it is. And then what's the next thing you're going to throw on there other than Alan? The freaking battery. And it's going to be the entire damn thing because – the entire point of this is there's no mistaking this is a green a comic book about Green Lantern. Any kid's eye who's reading Green Lantern or All American at the time rather is not going is 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 going to look at this and go, is that who I think it is? No, this is very clearly what it is. <laughs> and by setting him against such a mundane villain in terms of just a guy with a sword, uh, wearing just regular shoes, a white shirt, and I mean orange pants, but whatever, the it your eye is very clearly just kind of flowing around Alan and you're meant to see him and him alone. And plus I like the touch that you see the green flame back there too. Yes. Very well done. All right. Let me do one really quick here um, because it's one that I cheated a little bit in terms of uh, my own rule, but I had to, because we are talking about all American comics number 61 Paul Reenman as PR. Uh, he is he's listed there as he's credited as PR, but his name is Paul Reenman. This is the first appearance of our man Solomon Rundy. Um, this is probably one of the best covers of All American Comics. Period. Um, mostly for color reasons. Uh, for me, uh, again, talking about uh, the, the the banner treatment and everything across the top, normally the stamped, you know, year, date, issue number, stuff like that is very annoying. It looks like an actual stamp to me sometimes, at least here. 
because we're in a very dark, spooky background, it's almost imperceptible. We carry the branching from the trees, uh, not just from the image underneath the All American Comics logo, but up through the top of the page. Um, the the clouds across the sky, the bats, you know, Alan, Alan and uh, Doiby, while they are very stiffly posed, they definitely look shocked. And plus the the fact that the wind seems to be kicking up and and kicking Alan's uh, cape away, plus how huge Grundy looks. Let's let's face it, his teeth and his skin and the proportions of his ears and hands and fingers and stuff is all way off. But it just adds to the creepy and the fact that he's basically just a sketch, like everything else is colored and he's just white and black. Um, I I don't know. It you can't. I, I've wanted this issue for a long, long time. Um, there, I will never own it unless I somehow hit uh, a jackpot someday. Um, but this would be one of my number one or number two. That's why it's number two uh, comics to get from uh, from the golden age era. This is this is as great of a cover as you get almost. Yes. That when we were just talking about number 51, this was the one I was alluding to as far as if you're just going by the art alone, without knowing anything about the story or any, any context that just looking at the covers that the only one that would give 51 competition. And actually this one is arguably better, but it's not as, it's a different kind of color. Yeah, I can't say it's not. I, you can't say it's not as colorful, but it's not. It's not as bright, but it's not supposed to be because you're essentially almost like a graveyard scene, and you have the bats and you have the. You, you know, it's a it's an evening scene. You're the Green Lantern and fighters never quit. It's pretty much a tombstone. Mm-hmm. That it's this is this is really good, and the fact that it's the first appearance of Solomon Grundy just makes it makes it more mo better. Yeah, I've never seen this go for less than close to a thousand dollars like even for really low grade ones it's a very expensive issue (laughs) uh one one day one day (laughs) all right man what's your number one well at this point can't be anything other than all american comics number 16 which is the actual introduction of alan scott again facing a regular on the cover anyway uh a regular or non non spectacular threat with somebody holding like a Tommy gun aimed at him. But, but still the fact that he's walking on the girders is kind of cool. <laughs> and just, uh, introducing the green lantern. If, if the cover of green lantern one isn't the most iconic Alan Scott cover, probably this one is. That's, uh, that's true. Uh, there's the, you, you don't get much better than this. I do really like, um, you know, I talk about the all American comics logo text treatment and then the banner across the top. Uh, this one plays with that, but doesn't at the same time, um, because the blue of the, the blue behind all American comics, uh, just kind of fades into the rest of the image as opposed to being its own banner across the top, um, which works very well. This one, uh, of course, uh, for anybody playing along at home, Sheldon Moldoff actually did the cover here, not Martin O'Dell. So even the first appearance of Alan, uh, obviously Martin did the interiors, but he did not do the actual cover itself. That was Sheldon Moldoff. What's really interesting, actually, uh, I mean, they, I, I, I honestly have nothing to say about this cover because, yes, there's empty space, but you don't get much more iconic than this. So I, I 
it's hard for me to even criticize it. But if you start at, if you go through the cover gallery view and start at uh, all American 16, which is obviously his first appearance, and then just look at the covers. So he's on the girders here in all American 22. He's swinging from a set of girders uh, in, um, in all American 29. He's also on some more girders. Uh, there's, there's a trend here uh, that you see that's not as, uh, you know, uh, on the nose as I'm making it seem here, but there's at least three or four different covers early on in Alan Scott's run where he's jumping around or kicking people off or, you know, fighting people on top of girders for some freaking reason. <laughs> Building fetish. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't, I can't say anything bad about this. I, uh, it's, it's, it's a great cover. It's iconic. All right. That brings us to an, another Irwin Hasten cover in my number one. This is all American comics. Number 91. Um, obviously if I could, I would get all American 16. Obviously if I could, I would get green lantern. Number one, I know my limits. It's never going to happen as much as I want it. That said, it's not like this other issue is any less expensive in terms of what I've seen in the past, but all American 91 has Alan being married to miss Harlequin. Um, and, he is there's he's walking out of the chapel or church or city hall or whatever. Oh, it is city hall. Um, and he's both cops and uh, gangsters are giving he and his new bride a little archway to walk through as confetti pops off inside. And instead of just a regular narrative box, we actually get the invite to the wedding from an envelope and the card. And it says your presence is requested at the wedding of the Harlequin to green lantern at city hall in Gotham city. Um, and uh, I don't know, just the, the idea that we have kind of bride side groom side representation here in this little archway they're walking through with cops being on the side of the law with Alan and gangsters with Harlequin um, is just really cool. Plus the, I, you know, the, the history between these two characters moving forward into the future um, and everything that goes along with that. Um, there's Up so until much... the new 52 era. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, there's so, there's so much here. Uh, honestly, I know what mutton Jeff is, but it does kind of detract from it. I do wish hop Harrigan or something else was here, but I just love this cover. So there's lots of cover color here. I won't, I won't deny its problems. It does look really weird. Um, the wall behind the doors. And I don't mean the blackness. I mean the, so above the black bar where the confetti's popping off, but below the all American comics banner doesn't make sense with the way the doors look there. And then the brick layout that's behind the cops here just sort of stops and is strange. And then the, the let's let's face it, there's like a good what? 33% of the of the comic is sort of negative space in how I define it. Basically starting around the feet of the characters and dropping down because, yes, there's steps and stuff, but it's really just empty color here and just bars of black to separate bars of gray to simulate the steps. And then we have, of course the wedding invitation, which helps, but this does suffer from a lot of negative space and in, in, in how I define it. I think I can, I can see that. And, and, and even the way they're walking out of the church, they look, it's a bit awkward. 
Yeah. You'd almost say it's, if it was today, you'd say it's photoshopped. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they just cut these two people out and they, and they put them in the scene. And look at that look in Alan Scott's face. There's your proof that he was gay all along. <laughs> I think he was hypnotized, I think. I don't Maybe. I read this issue once. I, I, and to be fair, all kidding aside, I'm just trying to blow, I'm blowing up an image that really just kind of distorts it. But it doesn't but he certainly doesn't look as happy as she does, and that's why I made the joke. <laughs> it was funny. I didn't think you'd pick I didn't think you were gonna pick this as your favorite. I fig I figured you were gonna pick Solomon Grundy as your favorite, but but yeah, uh, the this is this is my favorite for for the color, for the action, for what I see here. The I really like how they. I mean, look, who thinks to do the narrative box as the wedding invitation itself? And that's that's creative for the golden age. I yeah, like it's that. True, it's been ripped off since, but yes, for, for, if you go back then, then yeah, it makes sense. And then everything that leads out of the relationship between Alan and Harlequin here, it's just you know, I I I, I can't I can't help but. Uh, but select this as as number one. Look, as much as I love and would want All American Comics 16, this is realist. My realistic number one. Uh, this is what I'm going after um, if I have a reasonable amount of extra money. <laughs> that's that's interesting, but I can understand that. Yeah. All right. So that is our top five for the golden age. Uh, none of which helps Jim's uh, original plan for this. <laughs> so where are we going next? Well, throw him a slight bone. <laughs> Make it easier for him. Yes. So now we're, we're going to do volume three, the Kyle era. If you preferred, simplify it to say the Mars Banks era, even though the reality is that it's going, it's all of volume three we included. Not that we really picked anything <laughs> from the end, I don't think for the most part, but it's pretty much from green from green lantern 51 going forward until the book, the book got canned right before green lantern rebirth. So any, any appearance of Kyle and any, in any book during that time frame was fair game. Yeah, crossovers with Rebels, Anarchy, just any of that Green stuff. Arrow. Yeah, yes. any of that stuff that was happening. JLA. Yep. Um, so you started last time. I'll start this time if that's all right. Yeah. I am going to pick uh, as my number five on this list, actually, JLA number 47. This is a uh, cover actually by Brian Hitch, who's getting a lot of work these days. But this is an earlier example of his work. Um, I've actually never read this issue, but I did really like it. Um, lots of detail on this one. Uh, this is the JLA or rather Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern and Flash uh, lost in a dark, spooky forest. Uh, and we're talking a m supposedly magical forest of some kind because it looks like they're the trees are quite literally reaching out towards the, our four characters here. Eyes in the background. Um, the narrative box here is uh, it, it's a very uh, it's it's a kind of scroll and tattered a little bit it says once upon a time, a lovely princess and her brave knights set out on a dangerous journey. So that juxtaposed with the darkness of the cover here in this spooky forest uh, really gives a kind of once, you know, once upon a time type feel without actually reading the words once upon a time. Um, the darkness of the cover and the fact that everything has the green sort of tent to it, you know, the, the blue of Superman's uniform, the red of Flash's uniform is all lit by Kyle's green ring. Um, so the fact that, you know, the 
other characters are looking around at their surroundings, the eyes that are in the shadows, but Green Lantern is the one with his fist raised and he's facing down the, the big tree that's reaching down towards him and everything's lit with his ring energy. I just, I really liked this one. Um, there's not a lot of detail in the characters themselves, but something about, I mean, cause also this one's like at a 45 degree angle, um, in terms of, uh, in terms of the perspective here. Um, so they play with perspective, they play with shadows, they play with lighting. Um, I just think it's, I think it's a really cool looking cover. Um, and I'm curious to read what the story is in the future. Um, but I, uh, when I was scrolling through cause I was thinking of all the crossovers you know supergirl for things uh dark stars or any guy gardener stuff or, or you know whatever and i was like oh yeah jla i've never actually read grant morrison's jla run i i think there's an omnibus out there i've been meaning to get at some point i just have to find it on sale so i've never actually read any of it but this really jumped out to me among the potential covers i could have chosen from the jla and i honestly was back and forth with it for quite a while my eye just kept getting drawn towards it. And I was like, you know what? I have to throw it on the list. Well, I will say I, I, I give you props for going for some, for something that's really unique in this. And I think it is unique because it does. It's very atmospheric. And I think that's, that's the thing that jumps out about this cover, because again, you have kind of like the, almost like the, the wizard of Oz, Oz things with the trees being alive and coming after you. And, Kyle kind of essentially lighting the way for all these characters walking through. And he seems to be the only one since he's using his ring to light up everything that he kind of sees what's going on around them and what this potential threat could be. Plus I, I do like books that kind of do the, even if you don't literally say once upon a time in the blurb on the cover that you, you have something along those vein that you're kind of telling a story. It's kind of like a fairy tale or it's, it's something in that vein. So I, I, I am kind of a sucker for, for covers like this i'm sure i have this book somewhere i was i'd probably be willing to bet i have it somewhere for sure all right what is your number five i am going to go with green lantern number 99 which is the second part of future shock the great green lantern is toast cover (laughs) which has the fake green lantern core and unfortunately, it still has Legion on the cover, but they're all but they're all knocked out. So I guess it's not so bad. And Kyle's also knocked out. And this and this is our is our like our one our one and only Carrie Wren on the cover appearance <laughs> in the history of Green Lantern. <laughs> so because I like the story and because I like Carrie Wren and because it's the whole fake Green Lantern core, you know, which was, I guess, the setting the stage for when Kyle was going to go to try to set up the, the core in the future. That's kind of put the idea in his head to try to do something to, to do it the right way, seeing what people could kind of like hijack the, the future of the core or what the reputation, the legend of the core was that, uh, and I just think it's a, it's a really, really well-drawn cover with, you know, with the fake green lantern core and, and all the, all the heroes sprawled out unconscious and then carry Ren flying in for the save. So I kind of, I kind of like this, uh, this banks Austin job here. Yeah, I was just about to name uh, the creative team. The, get get ready to hear a lot of Banks Austin uh, in this uh, in this one, guys. Uh, so yeah, Daryl on the pencils and Terry Austin on the inks. You you can't you can't go wrong here. And then uh, our Legionnaires, of course, we have Cosmic Boy, Ultra Boy, and Saturn Girl. Um, for those of you playing along at home, in addition to our fake lanterns and Carrier Wren, I I think the I'm trying to remember the race. 
Zudarian. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think the Zudarian looks particularly well done here. I honestly would have preferred probably they switch the Zudarian with the main, uh, the one holding the construct bazooka here, just in terms of recognition, detail, uh, whatever. You know, when you see Green Lantern and you see a character that looks like a Zudarian, uh, regardless of whether it's actually Tomar or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's more recognizable than, you know, random humanoid looking dude. So I, I think that would have been cool. Plus, I think I, I just like his costume more. He looks meaner. I don't know. But yeah, uh, you know, what am, what are we going to say bad about Daryl's art? Even though there is a lot of negative space here in terms of the background, at least they, he bothered to put a freaking sky back here. You know, some swipes of different colors and some fading into darker colors as you get closer towards the, you know, the top of the sky for, you know, conveys some good sunset or sunrise here. The smoke billowing up in the background. At least he's freaking doing something here. And, you know, hey, there's lots of detail, even even as you know, obviously you have Saturn girl's face front and center. So the uh, the closer to the viewer, uh, the perspective is, you know, obviously the more detail you'd want. But if you look even on Cosmic Boy's costume, the wrinkles and the shading there as far back as he supposedly is, the amount of work that Daryl puts into there is so, so well done. Yes, it is. All right. And speaking of close ups of a face, I am choosing. uh Mr. Uh, Green Lantern here, uh, uh, number was it 95? I think, I think it was, yeah, 95, 93. I, I I'm trying to read it, yeah, I, it's hard because of the black and the I think 95 or 93. Sorry, guys, I'll, I'll, I'll you describe, I'll look 93. Sorry, is it 93? It is. Uh, so this is this is Banks Austin. Um, I think this is actually, if if remind me, this is a series like uh, a kind of a theme month for DC because this is not the only, you know, close up of the face of the main character of the book cover from the nineties at this time. Right. I think you are probably correct that this plus the logo. So completely different. So I'm going to assume it was a theme that they were doing. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is the cover. If you've ever seen it, it is basically all Kyle's face from chin to waves of his hair from ear to ear or from ear to side of crab mask. And we see his ring lit up close to his face. So we see the top of his right hand with his, with the ring. So well done. The colors and swoops of his hair. Um, the, the crab mask looks particularly well done here. Um, the, uh, you know, sometimes when you, when you look at the crab mask, uh, the way various artists tend to do it, it's can can sometimes be very flat on the character's face and really only follow the contours of the face that's underneath as opposed to its own sort of quote unquote anatomy that it would have. But here you can tell it's a real three dimensional object because not only is he drawing it in that way. So you can see not only the front of it, but some of the sides where you would be able to see the sides of it. And stuff like that. But because the lighting source on this is the ring in front of his face, it's like holding a flashlight to your face when you're telling a spooky story or whatever around a campfire. The way the shadows bounce off it, giving even more depth, give color and different because he's he's got black hair. But because of the lighting source, it's you know a little brighter towards the bangs. And as it flows through the way the shadows jump off his face and stuff, this is just you have the opportunity for more detail when you're this close to a character's face. 
But that can also be a catch-22, and I don't want to speak like I know where I'm coming from in terms of art, but I would imagine that getting so close to a character's face could also be a bad thing, because if you don't provide enough detail or the wrong sort of detail, then it probably doesn't look that great. But this comes across so well. It does, and the shading the shading works really well. I think the, the shadows, the shading, everything on Kyle's face, along with his hair, it just, yeah, it's it's similar. It's similar to another issue that I that I decided not to make in my top five. That that uh, it's similar just because it focuses so much on Kyle. It doesn't really tell you anything about what's going on in the story or what it's going to be about, but it doesn't matter because the cover itself is just a great cover. Hundred percent. Um, if this is one of the ones I've actually, so part of the reason I added to the list is there are very few comic covers that Daryl did. Now, I, as much as I love them, would I pay him to do a commission that's sort of aping himself off of said cover? That's a completely different conversation. This one is one I've considered in the past. Maybe I'd commission uh, Daryl to do this, but Kyle as a Blue Lantern. Hmm. I've thought about that in the yeah, past. I could see that. So, all right. Number three or no, number four for you. I'm going to pick Green Lantern 55, which is the zero hour tie in. Not to be confused with Green Lantern Zero, which is another one that we may, we may reference at some point. But this is the actual regular issue Green Lantern 55, which also happens to be Kyle's first meeting with Alan Scott. It also happened who is also on the cover here. That it's Alan because the cover says Green Lantern in Kyle's logo versus Green Lantern in Alan Scott's logo. Alan Scott more in the Sentinel costume. Well, there's been so many variations on his costume and and a, and a pseudo Sentinel costume. But this is what we would recognize as Sentinel. Yes, this is what yeah. we would recognize as sent as Sentinel. This is a, a Daryl Banks Romeo Tungal mm-hmm. cover that, and it's also. It's all the cover itself is really cool, but it's also because this is this is the imp, the import the story itself is also important in the issue, not just because of the relationship that Alan and Kyle were going to have, but this is also Kyle's crash course into to the history of the Green Lantern Corps and Hal Jordan and what will become known as Parallax, but is yet to be named Parallax. <laughs> so the issue is important. The cover is great. And, and the relationship of said characters going forward. Plus you have the golden age Green Lantern at the time versus the current modern age Green Lantern. So. Yeah, hundred um, percent. The way we play with the swoop of in breadth of Alan's Cape, because yes, the, the this is, this is freaking. Um, oh man. What's the artist that did long Halloween? Oh, the long Halloween era of Batman. There's a point at which the art for Batman's cape gets like it takes up a goddamn double page spread. That's how freaking massive and intimidating the the, the freaking cape for Batman is. They do that with Sentinel all the time. And it's only really his Sentinel stage that they play with how fucking huge his cape looks sometimes uh, and daryl is doing it here and it, again that that's not a criticism it's just it's a way to provide i don't know an air of menace or whatever it's it it works um plus it re- looks really cool as a kind of background backdrop behind the title treatment and everything yes the only problem i have with this and it, this wouldn't have been daryl's fault so uh no 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 criticism to him here 
there's too much happening at the top of this page. The the creator credits, the DC Universe logo on one side with the DC bullet on the other, uh, the regular, you know, Comics Code Authority, then the Zero Hour logo, then Green Lantern logo, and then Versus, and then the old school Green Lantern logo. There is too much shit happening here. Plus the 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 Banks Tangal signature also kind of adds to it because it's in a very obvious spot as opposed to hidden like it some those signatures sometimes are, which I suppose that would be Daryl and and Romeo's fault. But like it's it's just it's just one crumb to add on to the massive problem that's already happening at the top of this page. Um, but I can excuse it because of how good everything else looks. You can definitely tell the difference between Terry Austin inking and Romeo Tangal inking uh, Banks. Yes. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. There's a, there, there is, there is a lot of difference there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very, if, if, if the uninitiated wasn't familiar with Daryl's line style posing so on and so forth the detail he puts into things perspective stuff like that if the uninitiated look at looked at this cover and then uh a a a daryl banks terry austin cover they would think they're two different artists i would i would assume you are you are probably correct it looks like sale is the artist you were looking for are they yeah. tim tim sale my new lobe wrote it i just couldn't remember who d- did the art it- for it See, I, it's been so long since I read Long Halloween. Is that what I'm thinking? Of? I think everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say we entered an era of Batman where his tape was fucking huge. Uh, I just I thought it was around Long Halloween, but I, I do remember seeing it in Green Lantern Rebirth. Remember, Batman would show up. Yeah, that the is true that, too. And it was just freaking. It was it, there was that double page spread where the Justice League showed up. To I think it was Take on John or whatever, and Batman's cape was behind everybody. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, there, yeah, there was there was some similar action going on there. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, my number three, and this might shock maybe maybe uh, everybody. It might shock Mark too. My number three is actually Green Lantern 150. Uh, I am putting it that low in the list, uh, relatively speaking. It's still a top five, so you know whatever. But Green Lantern 150, which is the end of our iconic power of ion series this is a this is a cover by actually jim lee with scott williams on the art um this is kind of this is the new era of green lantern we got a new title logo up at the top it's very minimal in terms of the space that is taken up by text and logos and stuff like that Uh, but we've got guy we've got alan we've got john we've got kyle we've got hal uh we've got the green lantern symbol uh right you know bursting with energy and light there's reflective properties to it it's not only beaming out it's also kind of sparking and you know flaming out a little bit and the same perspective is held by our characters as they fly towards and away from the reader off to off to the reader's right um but i think everybody looks good my only criticism of this one is john I don't know if it's his neck or his arms or his position or something. Something looks off about John, uh, but not to such a way that he doesn't look as as human as anybody else would. Um, obviously, Guy is front and center in terms of perspective, so there's lots of detail on him and his face and his you know his teeth and all this stuff. Um, but it's it's not a perspective thing that I think is the problem with John. There's there's just something weird about the way that was rendered. 
And also Kyle looks buff as hell here. <laughs> um, he's got some massive, his, his left arm and forearm, even with the gauntlet is massive. Um, but it's, it's such a, it's such a great cover. It's one of the first, one of the first um, team up covers with all of these characters. If I remember that right. I think so. I think Green Lantern 19 would count, right? Yeah, I sure. I I think that would be fair to count that. Yes. Yeah. So, but this is this is just this is a uh, Mark Mark had this on his list as well. So this is this is just to plus you know it's a new era. It's kind of a benchmark in you know starting going from going from uh, you know the the end of the Power of Ion story into this new era of storytelling towards the tail end of Green Lantern's run here before we get to Rebirth. So it's basically like 151 through the end of the series that we have this new title logo and stuff like that. This is a new era of Green Lantern in and of itself is being signaled here. A new creative team and everything. So this is this is just one of the ones I think of when I think of the Kyle Rayner run. Because obviously I think of Power of Ion, but I do specifically think of this issue as well. This cover, I did I did have this cover on the list. This cover is it is iconic because it's because it's everybody, you know, at the end of the day, it's. And I think that makes it stand out to me. I don't like the way guy looks, but that but they were trying to represent the bowl cut classic guy era. So I can understand why he's he looks that way. And it's again, it's the issue. It's also, you know, it's the issue that begins with. Kyle. Kyle thinking about interfering in the time stream to prevent Hal from ever becoming Parallax and the conversation between the Spectre and Hal and Spectre and Kyle uh, and furthering their relationship. And it's the issue where Kyle uh, repowers the central power battery and brings the Guardians back. Yeah, they come leaping Yeah, they come back out of the battery. That's right. I I stopped for a second because it's it's all it's in rebirth when they get when they get aged up. That's right. So, yeah. So it's the issue itself is very, very important to the mythology. So I think that is. One of the reasons why I picked this bus, plus, like you mentioned, it has all pretty much all the major Green Lanterns we think of, certainly up to that point in history. So that's yeah, I think it's going to shock people. Some of the ones I chose from uh, for my top two, because, well, maybe not number one, but number number two for sure, Um, because I I have two covers from the Power of Ion in my list. Neither of them feature his Ion costume. Which is actually one of my favorite Kyle Rayner costumes. All right, so I guess that's what num- now it's what number th- number, number three, three for you. Number three for me. So now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. It still it still sucks. There was a couple of issues I really liked that I couldn't that I couldn't make a top five. It was tough. I'm gonna go with Green Lantern 119, which is another Daryl mm. Banks cover. The I think Cam Smith was the inker in this issue. Uh, doesn't really list it. I'm not on the cover. I'm not sure if you. I'm, I'm verifying for you. One nineteen. Yeah. I know he was the anchor in the issue, but I'm I'm looking at the DC fandom. M. Smith. Yeah, it just didn't say. Uh, by the way, guys at home, I'm using comics.org. Comics.org will give you a shit ton of creator information and and break it down by story, by who did the cover, by everything. So comics.org, guys. Yeah, but I'm also looking at dc.fandom. Dot com and that has that breaks they may get the information from the same place but again it just didn't for this one they didn't happen to list a, an anchor for the cover specifically so we assume it's cam smith since since he did the issue but this is the pretty it's not iconic in the sense of mo- most people wouldn't think of this cover if you had to say 10 covers of green lantern go 
even regarding any era, if it was modern era, but it's to me, Chad had this issue too. This yes. he had this cover too, and then we just we kind of we kind of I do think of this cover when I think Kyle. And in my top ten or whatever. And I, I and it, it resonates with me because of the Spectre. So for different reasons, for the most part, we picked this cover. This is one nineteen. This is the picture of Hal Jordan of a huge picture of Hal Jordan as a Spectre with his hand outstretched, and Kyle is standing in in his hand looking at Hal, and it just says, Hal Jordan is the Spectre. This could be bad. So this was one of the first again, this is one of the first appearances of Hal as the Spectre after Judgment Day that uh, so this is Kyle and Hal's first meeting since since that event. And this is this is still when, if I remember correctly, in the issue that by the time it ends, Kyle doesn't know that it's Hal again, because I think that I think that edict was still there that nobody could so. re- nobody could remember that that was part of his penance. It was so yeah. early on. This was this was right around the time of JLA 30, 35. I see. I seem to remember the rules of that being so weird, kind of like crisis rules. Who remembered what they remembered, the circumstances of like how Kara died or whatever. Yeah, I get, except you know. this, this, this was, this was just supposed to be his penance. I think that, yeah. the, that part of, as he was seeking redemption, that no matter who we interacted with, they would momentarily know who he was, but pretty much like two, five minutes after he left, if he, they'd remember dealing with the specter, they would just have no idea they knew, actually knew who the specter was. Yeah. So the story was cool, but the cover is very, very, I, it's certainly iconic from, for me from the perspective of when I think of like the top maybe three to five covers of Hal Jordan when he was a specter. This is one of the ones that pops up automatically. And because it has Kyle in it and it furthers the Hal Kyle dynamic. And as, and as we know, the Hal being kind of like a, playing an Obi-Wan role to Kyle during his time as the specter and helping Kyle and kind kind of as he would later on say he he's he was trying to help Kyle and be there for Kyle because he kind of wished somebody was there for him in the same way and kind of leading him towards just giving letting him know what his options were like in the power of ion story or leading into the power of ion story or becoming ion so yeah this cover is pretty cool and very well drawn this the smoke and the in the the smoke and then you know the fog aspect of of all this and yeah, I think it just it it just pops and the color scheme's cool. The color scheme with the green and everything, it just and I liked Hal's costume as the Spectre. I can't help it. Negative space is here, uh, but it doesn't bother me as much because we're dealing with the fucking Spectre. Um, so we could just be in the void. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't mean quite as much. This is one of the ones I think of. Lots of detail here. I I like the costume. Actually, my only problem with this image, and I don't know what they could have done. I do like that Daryl chose to put at least some flame coming off of the centerpiece here, but that circle just looks out of place or empty otherwise somehow. And I don't know if I would want like a shadow or a hint of the green lantern symbol or I don't, I don't know what I would want there, honestly, but that circle just looks too perfect and out of place somehow. I, I, this would be something like if Daryl ends up listening to this episode, I'm like, I would ask an artist go like, I, I feel something weird about this. What is my, what is, what is confusing my mind about this circle? (laughs) I don't know what it is. Uh, Other than maybe the, the, the proportionality of it or the closeness to the, to the top of the, the cloak. I don't, but I, it's not an, it's not inaccurate based on the way 
no Hallows of Spectre was drawn because he basically has a green basically he kind of has a a Green Lantern costume leotard it's just not colored the same way and he does have that centerpiece where the Green Lantern symbol would be and it was a circle and there was and there kind of was like green green Spectre like energy kind of flaming out of it on occasion so I think it's I think I know where you're going with it to me yeah it certainly doesn't it certainly doesn't stand out to me as something that looks out of out of place it might be the shading because now that i look at it looking at it the glove the biceps the cloak the the hood the mask i mean everything has shading of some sort and this circle just i mean i know it has the flame but otherwise it just kind of looks flat i don't know it just looks it, it looks off to me but it it doesn't matter this this is one i think of all the time uh when i think of the kyle rayner run i like even going back to actually reread this specific issue like not just look at the cover but go i like returning to this issue to actually read it uh it's it's a fun one for sure it is so my number two is going to be green lantern 145 also from the power of ion this is one of my absolute favorites obviously given its position in this list Kyle is like a fourth of this image. He is very little detail on him. He is riding a construct surfboard as he crests a construct wave. And this wave is in space. And because you can see the planet Earth down behind him, uh, there is no real title treatment to this uh, in terms of the classic version, because the Green Lantern logo and text is in the wave itself. You can see splashes of water and seashells and sea life in here. Even the the Comics Code Authority logo is in the in the wave and kind of surfing up to the crest before the 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 wave flips and turns into a barrel. Um, I I love this. There's there he's in space, so there's there's stars in the background. Uh, there's Earth, planet Earth behind him, and you can there's details on Earth itself. Um, I love this. It's a shout out to his roots as a Californian and stuff like that. There's so much energy here, and despite the fact that there's so much fucking green, there's so many different shades of green. It so works. I just really love this image. If I could, I would absolutely uh, have Daryl. Uh, uh, do this for himself because he he didn't he didn't do it um uh for the people playing along at home that would be a uh, dale eagle sham with rodney Ro- uh, rodney ramos on inks um but i love this cover this is this is the cover i think of when i think of power of the ion or power of ion i uh, it's it's similar it's close it's similar to me I'm not 100% sure if I pick 145 in my head, but 145 stands out because of where you are in the story at that point. Plus the cover is just, it just pops so much and it is so iconic. It's memorable. And I guess if you were going to criticize a little bit, which is just that depending on one's perspective may not be a negative is your eyes are really drawn just to the green lantern part, not Kyle. You're drawn to the wave with the green Lantern with Kyle's logo and green lantern in the wave. Kyle as a character is almost like an afterthought on the top in, in the surfboard, because it's just, that's not where your eyes tend to gravitate because it's such a small fraction of the picture, but it's iconic. And I think it's a, uh, it makes perfect sense that, that that should be on this list. If we're talking Kyle era covers. For sure. All right. What's your number two? The top three were kind of tough. So I, I it was kind of going back and forth, but I guess to be fair, for the to the era that we're talking about number two is green lantern 51 it is the 
it is the natural bookend to Green Lantern 50, which is, you know, it all ends here. This is it all begins here, which is the big the first the first real image we see of Kyle Rayner in his in the soon to be iconic Kyle Rayner outfit with his new symbol behind him. You can tell it says it's set in California and it's another one. It's another Banks Tangal cover. It has it's very, very, you know, the you know, the old new Green Lantern. It's it just symbolizes what this era is going to be in a way just by the cover. And because of how we know everything plays out, I think the importance of this cover and the story that gets told in 51 and 52. 52 is a nice cover, too, but 51 is, you know, the introduction to the character. And it just again, it bookends the last part of Emerald Twilight perfectly that I think this one had to be on the list. And that's why poor Green Lantern Zero is not on the list. (laughs) (laughs) No, this one's iconic. It was one of the posters um, for promoting this series. I have this poster, I believe. You you can't not think of this one. It does make me curious what it would have looked like if Terry Austin inked it. Because I think that's my favorite combo is Banks Austin as opposed to Banks Tangal. Um, Just in terms of personal preference, I would have liked to see that. But there's so much happening in this image, despite they're not. It's realistically a very simple image in terms of character, logo, sparse background in terms of buildings. Not a whole lot of work having to be done here in terms of the squares. I'm sure it's pretty a pain in the ass to put in a bunch of these windows and shit. But other other than the actual Hollywood sign in the background, this is a very simple setting in terms of the, the buildings on the bottom. But all of the lines in the actual uh, logo itself, the shading on Kyle, the background work in this smoke or electricity or whatever the hell is happening back here. You know, there's a there's a lot of, you know, I I hate to say there's a lot of art happening on this cover, um, which is really cool. One thing I wanted to point out, because this is such a popular issue, it obviously went into a second printing. And obviously, you guys know, uh, hopefully playing along at home, you would know the difference between say a newsstand copy versus a direct sale copy versus the ones that instead of having the barcode for either direct or newsstand, just say DC universe in that box. But if you're looking for this issue and I would hope a lot of people already have that, but if you're looking for this issue, uh, you can actually very easily tell the difference between the first and the second printing because the second printing. So uh, you've got, you know, the green lantern title logo at the top. Uh, and it's kind of it's it's green lettering on top of like a yellow shaded lettering in the background, whereas the second printing is yellow lettering on top of like a dark green and or blackish uh, shadowing behind it. Sometimes you can't tell the difference between a first and a second printing, but the, you can very obviously tell by that one key thing if you're looking at this uh, this issue out in the wild and deciding whether or not to pick it up. If having a first or second printing in your collection means anything to you personally, good information. I like the energy sparking off his ring too. Like we see the logo, but we don't necessarily need to see the ring. You know, that's kind of cool. Yes. All right. My number one, which is honestly shocking to me that I put it as number one, but it, it, I was playing around with it thinking for a little while and it does make sense. My number one is actually, um, I believe it's Banks and Tangal. I'm not sure. I think so. Let me make absolutely certain here. Which one? 81? Yeah. Yep. Based on so, the information on the cover, you would assume that it would be. Yeah. But it's Banks Tangal. Yep. 
this is Green Lantern 81. This is not the foil variant, which it just basically is the Green Lantern symbol on a gravestone. This is the image that you have seen of Green Lantern 81. You know, this is this is post final night. Hal has died reigniting the sun we're having this is the funeral issue for hal jordan this is the cover you have seen where we have kyle rayner front and center and then the entire rest of the league behind him everybody is in black and white kind of uh everybody's holding green flames in their hands they both they have both of their hands in front of them uh kind of cupped in front of their chests and they are a whole everyone is holding green little flames and that is our only light source for this so uh, much like I was talking about that JLA issue where our only light source was Kyle's ring in, in the forest. This is even more of that because the only light source is these flames in front of each person. So as opposed to like the image getting darker, the further it goes back, because we have Kyle first and then we have Superman and Wonder Woman in the second row. Then we have Batman, Flash and Canary, it looks like. And then further back, Aquaman, Supergirl, Sentinel, and then it goes further further back. And we can tell who some of these characters are, but th- th- at that point, it gets to where they're behind the actual title treatment. But because each one of them is holding their own individual flame, they all have the same sort of shading effects. We all, And yes, it loses a little bit of detail the further you go back on some of these, but because they all have their own individual light source, you also get more detail than you would think, given their perspective on the page. I love this cover. I wish I could have the original art for this cover. I made sure that when I knew that there was actually two different covers for 81, because I think I originally only had the Tombstone cover, I went to find this cover because I love this cover. And this is another one I was thinking about when I was saying, like, if I could have Daryl recreate a cover, it would be this. And it would, instead of being the Justice League, it would be a bunch of lanterns. Or I would... I would ask, you know, because Daryl doesn't necessarily do coloring and stuff. Like if you ask him, oh, maybe he does. Maybe he does, he'll do some digital stuff. I'm not sure. But what if what if you could play with this and make this different different color core members? So you could have the coloring and the shading of, you know, someone holding a green flame. But what would it look like if someone was holding a red flame? Like if you could play with the colors of that somehow. I don't know if it would work or not. Um, but that I think that would be a cool image. But the price to, and I'm not saying Daryl's prices are unreasonable guys. A lot of artists charge by character, the price to have him recreate this would probably be astounding <laughs> in terms of a per character charge. <laughs> but I really do love this cover. There's a, there's a whole lot of detail on here. There's, there's some, uh, some weird looking thing. I mean, like obviously just the things of the time wonder woman has a massive head of hair, for instance, uh, on a Superman still. Yeah, it's true. True. Um, but that's, I mean, that's, that's just, you know, kind of a sign of the times and stuff. So, but I really do love this cover. This cover is still, is relatively iconic to, uh, I have both of these covers. I have the tombstone and I have this cover. I have both. It's a good Kyle cover, just regardless of what's going on behind him, regardless of we know of what the importance of the issue is, that it's a it's a real it's a cool version of Kyle. And I think that's but it is also which is part of the challenge in coming up with covers is how much do you just pick based on the pure art work alone along and how much do you balance that out versus the story that's that you happen to know that's in it. So obviously it's a plus when it's an important issue and it's an important and it's an iconic cover. So those 
those are ideally, I guess, the ones you kind of zero in on when you can say, hey, it does both. And then so this co- this cover is certainly better than than yes than the, the memoriam tombstone covers. And I do think that it wasn't in my initial like eight or nine to whittle down to five. But but I did think I did think about it. There are a bunch there are several issues I did think about, but I knew they would get bumped off in my process of elimination. So I couldn't. And this was one of them. So, but it's a nice, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very nice cover. Yeah. Couldn't pass it up. I really like it. No, I can certainly understand that. All right. Round us out, man. Well, I have to pick. This was got, this was kind of a no brainer to me that all along I knew when I would, we, we knew when we decided this was going to be one of the errors we were going to do, I had to have this one in right off the bat. So Green Lantern 63, Parallax View Part 1, which has the awesome yellow background with with Hal with his two hands clasped together over his head about to smash Kyle, who's coming at him with uh, his ring hand encased in energy. This is another another Banks Tangal cover. I just think everything about this cover works. First of all, we've already talked about multiple times how much I love this story and how important. The story is actually really important just to Kyle-Hal relationship in, in the whole Kyle's tenure, I think, too, along with Hal's. But it's just it's just it's just a beautiful cover. And it's just Hal looks fantastic. Kyle looks fantastic. And because the story is the story is important because the titles, the title of the story is good. To me, this it's hard not to think of the Kyle volume three era, certainly the Mars Banks part of it and not think of this cover for me. And that's the reason why that's the reason why it's number one for me. Yeah. I mean, it's a great cover, lots of detail and shading on both of the characters. And I always like how, uh, I mean, it, it seems relatively consistent regardless of the inker, but it seems each inker, or maybe it's a note Daryl gives, I don't know, does very well in um, making sure that the parts of the costume that are supposed to be metal or metallic or whatever in nature look more, reflective or whatever they take time to put different types of shading on it so it does look reflective or metallic as opposed to the rest of the costume so you can see that on kyle's gauntlet and then on the kind of ab section and circle section of uh and 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 the shoulder pads of hal so i think that looks cool uh and then they of course play with the idea of you know so you know hal is you know in you know hal is you know, in terms of our perspective behind Kyle or in front of him from his perspective, I guess, but that would put him behind the logo, but because of Kyle's position, he's in front of it. So they play with the idea that he's swinging, but his fist is in front of the logo, whereas Hal's hands are behind it and uh, it's encased in energy. So obviously the shading of the actual title logo changes because we're seeing it through the construct energy of Hal's, of Kyle's fist. So that's kind of cool too that they do that. There's a, there's an issue of negative space here, you know. I I can't deny that I've, I've been pointing it out this whole episode, but at least they put these little blobs and stuff in here too. Explosions of energy. There's a a fade in fade out sort of effect here. And let's face it, the back this is one of those covers where the background does is doesn't matter. Uh, we're focused on these two people fighting. That's the entire focus of this. The background does not and will not ever matter in an image like this. Yeah, I think that I think that's a good call. I mean, I do like I like the background, especially now, especially with with retcons 
usually it's retcons be damned, but at least now you could look at the, the contrast with the yellow and the green and read a lot into that if you wanted to. Not that we didn't get a lot of kind of yellow green, like you mentioned, contrast all along. And when it came to uh, covers and lo- and how Green Lantern was written, that kind of was part of the course to begin with uh, during this time. But I'm just saying just as a background color, it being so yellow and even the Mars Banks Tongal being written in yellow on the cover. I just think it's a nice contrast, regardless of any, re- you know, looking at it, you know, from our modern sensibility that the realities i think it's just i just think it's a beautiful cover i think it really it's symbol to me it symbolizes that era it's another reason why the uh green lantern silver surfer cover was in the running to make this list too for me but it was but again i couldn't really i couldn't really as much as that's an awesome cover i just couldn't especially if you consider the back as well as the front i just couldn't really justify bumping off any of the ones i included yeah. in the top five you know so it was yeah, for you, I was when you were initially because you you didn't tell me which one was your number one when you were leading up to it. I actually clicked on Green Lantern Silver Surfer because I I knew it had to be between Parallax View or Silver Surfer being number one. I mean, they're, they're both important. They're both really important issues. This issue really is more is more important as cool as the Green Lantern Silver Surfer is, and there's a lot of stuff on that issue that's fantastic, and the cover is. The cover is really cool with, with with the two of them on, you know, Kyle and the Silver Surfer on the cover. And it's just I, I do, you know, I, I had to include it in my top eight or ten to whittle down. But if I could, but if I wasn't going to include Green Lantern Zero, which I think is another fantastic cover, I have to include, you know, I could not if I couldn't include that. I, I certainly couldn't put Green Lantern Silver Surfer, despite what a great job Daryl did on the cover. I had to go with this one because I also think it symbolizes the era. And it, it plus it's it's not just that it's important because it's Kyle, who is the main character at this point. Hal obviously was a major factor even during the Kyle run as it yeah. as a as a no matter what persona he was taking or he had or was taking on at the time. He was always there was always an important relationship with Kyle, which was one of the cool things about it. So. All right, everybody playing along at home. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know we're talking visual mediums on an audio-based podcast, but I hope hopefully we gave enough description and maybe you're familiar enough with these uh, these comics that you're kind of picturing them in your mind, uh, in your mind's eye. If not, please head out over to lanterncast.com. I have uh, four images prepared that uh, kind of gallery preview these. Plus, we told you the actual issue numbers and stuff. So if you don't want to go to lanterncast.com, you can actually look them up yourselves if you want. Um, but at the very least, the preview images should help you out. If you've come to us from Facebook or Twitter, you should see these images over there as well um, uh, as, as part of the post because they will be there uh, for you guys to at least preview. And then Mark and I may or may not figure something else. And if you check the post out for this particular episode, there may or may not be a link to where you can see more high quality images of these online. If you so choose. It's a work in progress, people we're trying. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll figure something else. And, and uh, as part of feedback guys, because we're, we're, we're steadily getting some feedback from some certain people, but we'd love to hear from more of you guys. Um, let us know how you want us to go forward with these. If there's any suggestions you may have in talking about these or posting the images or even any sort of ranking. Uh, if if we want to take uh, each, each of our top fives and then use it as uh, a, an opportunity for between the 10 total to pick a number one by some sort of vote, 
Um, however you guys think you would want to do that and participate in something like that, let us know. Uh, we will take your suggestions into consideration. Yes, we most certainly will. All right. If people want to reach out to us, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast to track us down there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708-Lantern, and let us know what you think. And if you'd like our Discord information, lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also over on YouTube, LanternCast Vids, which I mentioned because I recently posted a video. Mark has also recently posted a video or two as well. Um, I did another trading card unboxing video, posted it last night slash today. Uh, it is of the 1993 Skybox series, uh, which uh, helped promote and release the Milestone universe, that Static Shock hardware, Icon Rocket, the Blood Syndicate, so on and so forth, into the universe. So I unboxed a... A sealed box of those uh, trading cards, and um, that's over on YouTube. And Mark, you did some unboxing of your own, right? Yes, we, if I remember correctly, we did we did your mystery box, really, uh, the one about the about uh, Venom, the Venom mystery Marvel mystery box, which at least based on what we received was a dud, other than Venom. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's Venom and the Losers in that box, and we did a a big bad. Toy Store unboxing, which from a variant perspective, a chase figure perspective was also kind of a, a dud, but the actual figures themselves were cool. The Obi-Wan Soda, the the Shuri Black Panther pop, and the uh Stitch to Stitch Soda figure. Those were those were pretty cool. So for sure. Um also keep an eye on our YouTube channel, folks, because I'm getting I'm getting itchy. Even though I posted a video just yesterday, I am going to post another one uh very soon within the next week or so. Uh I have in my hands here a sealed box of the Skybox DC Comics Master Series from uh, 1994. Uh this was a little more expensive than your average fare, but I've always been very curious about it, and I found it for a cheaper price than I'd been normally seeing sealed boxes of this. This is Premier Series. Uh, for Skybox, so these are usually more expensive, glossier print, heavier cardstock, stuff like that. Weird art in this series, but there's lots of Lantern stuff in here. There's Kyle cards, there's Parallax cards, there's a Guardians of the Universe card. Uh, so there's lots of Green Lantern to be had in here. So pay attention to our YouTube channel. That's Lantern Cast Vids. So, all right, guys, I guess we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.